Comes ahead, back and forth with Pacioretty. Now Stevenson kicks it in. It will count. Live from the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios and live at LVSportsNetwork.com. From the draw, Nicholas Haig rifles it home. One-time shot from Haig. Vegas ties it 3-3. This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show, your destination for inside access with the team, exclusive player interviews, and breaking news from around the National Hockey League. Here are your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Welcome in, Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show, Fox Sports Las Vegas, Wallace Millard Chapman live inside the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios. Finley Chevrolet on the 215, home of the... Woo! And this is a tough one um, as we open up this show with with news on Frank Harnish. You all remember Frank... Uh, as one of the original voices here on the Vegas Golden Knight Insider Show, as well as the Golden Knights pregame, intermission, and postgame broadcasts, um, Frank passed away over the weekend after battling cancer valiantly for the last three and a half months. And, you know, we, we want to do um, our best in this moment to remember Frank Harnish, a, a man that, quite honestly, if you've never met him, um, you would have the, you would have an impression of him based on uh, what he what he would give you on the air, and that impression gruff around the edges, um, curmudgeonly at times, was not who Frank Harnish was. Not even a little bit. Not even close. Uh, Frank Harnish was one of the kindest souls I have ever met in my entire life, and Frank is really truly the reason that I'm sitting here talking to you today. However you're consuming this broadcast, whether or not you're sitting in your car or you have me on at home while you're doing chores, whatever it is, I'm not here without Frank Harnish. I'm not in this spot. I'm not talking on the radio if not for a chance encounter with Frank in the hallways complaining about our hockey teams. Frank, a diehard Chicago Blackhawk fan, me, at the time, and don't get too mad at me, Las Vegas, at the time, an L.A. Kings fan. And, and I tell you, 2010 through 2015, Frank and I, the debates were legendary. The debates in the office, and Chapman, you can chime in at any point in time because I know you were around for these, and I know you heard us in the hallway. Um, we went back and forth about what team was a destiny, which team deserved that title, and though Frank's team won three Stanley Cups to just two for mine, um, I loved to grind his gears about the Chicago Blackhawks, and he loved to grind my gears about the L.A. Kings. And if not for those conversations, if not for Frank and I just going at it about hockey, rink rats would have never been a thing. Ryan, the hockey guy, would have never been a thing. I owe this career that I have right now to Frank Harnish. Chapman. Yeah, it, it's it's kind of a, a very somber day. Um, it's been a, a really tough couple of days. I, I know for yourself and me. I mean, I I got the phone call on Monday night from his brother, and then you know I, I passed the news on to you, and it was it was a very difficult conversation that you and I had to have. But similarly to you, I'm where I am because of Frank. Um, my my relationship with him goes back a, a lot further. It goes back to 2004. When I was an intern here, 
and we only had two sports stations. We had ESPN and we had Fox, and I I was uh, for for whatever reason he took a liking to me, and I don't to this day know why. I don't know what I did to deserve his friendship, because you know he he was a wonderful human being, and he was the kind of guy, and I, and I said it a couple times where if you were hungry, Frank would give you money for lunch. And then when you went to give him the $10 back or whatever, he'd refuse to take it. Um, I was on with, with another show earlier today, and, and I had mentioned his charitable contributions. And one time we had a conversation about how much blood he donated. Yeah. And it wasn't like pints. He donated gallons of blood in his lifetime. And I think about all the lives that he saved by donating all that blood over the years. I, I, I know on the 1st of October after that shooting, yeah. he was one of the first people in line to give blood. Um, you know, he, he was helping to give out water. I know you were with him that day, so so I know you, you have a pretty good memory of that. Um, you know, those L.A. King and Chicago Blackhawk battles, I had a front row seat for that. <laughs> Sitting here, listening to, to you two argue, especially in the offseason when there when there wasn't a lot of news, the debates, that, yeah, the yeah. debates that you and him would have um, between the, the, the L.A. Kings dynasty and the, the Chicago Blackhawks one, it was it was fun to have a front row seat because, unfortunately for me, I, I really didn't have a dog in the in the race. My yeah. team my team got smoked by the L.A. Kings <laughs> during their run, so I just sat quietly um, while, while you guys went back and forth. But it it was uh, you know it was it was a it's a fun time. You know, I like you. I also wouldn't be in this seat doing the VGK Insiders show if not for him because he he really wanted me to be a part of it. And one of the things that I always took away was it was always us. You know, yeah. it, it was always the us. It didn't matter who else was, was in the studio. It was always an us thing. And to me, I, I just took that to heart all the time because he wanted everybody to, to have a, 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 a part of it and be part of it. And it was it was very, very fun to, to, to have that opportunity. And, you know, when, when he broke his neck, it was one of the a, a really tough day. Yeah. Um, because I believe it was either the day before Halloween or it may have been Halloween. I know the Golden Knights were in New York getting ready to play the Rangers, and um, we we all kind of got the phone call. And I went to go see him in the hospital that night, and one of the things he said to me, and, and I'll always take it away from that conversation, was he felt sorry for the nurses that had to help him because he didn't want the help. He, he, he didn't care that he was in pain. He wanted the nurses to be able to help other people. And he, it, it, it's, it's truly incredible. You know, you don't meet a lot of people in your life who have that type of effect on you. And, you know, whether it was on the microphone, away from the microphone, whether it was going to a concert. And, and me and Clay Baker, of course, from uh, Raider Nation Radio, we, we went to a concert with Frank once. And, and Clay brought it up. And it was me, Clay, Bobby, who runs the, the, the board for the VGK games. And he runs the post game. So if you're calling in Mike, Stephanie... The guy you're talking to is Bobby Machado. Yep. And the four of us, Clay, myself, Bobby, and Frank, we went to go see Roger Waters at T-Mobile. And we stopped at a, at a bar to eat dinner beforehand. Mm -hmm. And Clay gave Frank bad directions. <laughs> so, <laughs> so Frank, being the guy he was, decided to roll all the windows down and turn the air conditioning off. And Roger Waters played at T-Mobile in the middle of June, and it was about 107 <laughs> degrees. And Clay was like, hey, you turn the AC on. And Frank says to him, that's what you get for giving me bad directions. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, there's so many stories that, that 
you know, the listeners don't know. I mean, they, they know the stuff that he told on the air, the meatloaf story. Yeah, the meatloaf story is a fantastic <laughs> it's one. It's legendary. Doesn't like hugs. Doesn't like hauling oats. Uh, well, see, I have a theory about the hugs. Like, I, I think that Frank enjoyed, like, I think he liked loathing that on the air. But you, you're not as warm of a person as Frank was without generally liking hugs. And, and that was my theory with the whole hug concept. Come, come up and give Frank Harnish a hug because I'll tell you, uh, he was just a warm and caring individual. And, and I feel like it was important to share that, that aspect of who Frank was because he tried so hard at times uh, to, to present like he didn't. And, and he was, again, just one of the most kind and generous and, and amazing people you'll ever meet in your entire life and you know i it's not lost on me the impact that he has in this valley beyond just this show right like you look at the entire career that frank had here with lotus broadcasting in las vegas and the amount of of times people turn their radio on whether it be on espn or fox sports whatever the station call letters were at the time it was frank right like Frank had such a mark on this city when it came to radio. And I think the, the biggest thing that, that maybe gets lost a bit is, is how effortless he made it, right? Like hockey, tennis, it didn't matter what the conversation centered around. Frank brought it every single time he cracked the mic. And quite frankly, I, I don't know how he was able to keep all of the information that he had in his head, but he was a chameleon, man. Like, he could go on and on and on about topics I'd never heard of, about things I never knew about, and he did it so effortlessly. And I think if you're looking at a, at a characteristic on the air that I admired most about Frank, aside from the one-liners, aside from the jokes that he would throw out there to catch you off guard in a moment, it was his ability to just be whatever the segment needed him to be, be whatever the show needed him to be, and how willing he was to step in and help out anyone else who needed something. If, if there was a, a last-minute situation where you needed somebody to jump on a show, it was Frank almost always, and it was Frank prepared and ready to go. Yeah, he, he was always prepared. And, you know, he, like you said, he, his, he was more than just part of the v VGK Insider Show. He did so much around this this building and, and office, behind-the-scenes stuff yeah. that, that the listeners would have no idea some of the stuff that goes into what Frank's job was. And Chapman, arguably some of the greatest Frank moments happen <laughs> behind the scenes, yes. not on the radio. Yeah, I mean... Because, because Frank, Frank operated at a very, very high level, like just in terms of his work output. Like I've never met a person with the work ethic that Frank has. Like I thought I had a good work ethic. It's, it pales in comparison to what Frank put in. And technology cannot <laughs> replicate in any way, shape, or form the, the work output that Frank Harnish had. I'm yeah. telling you right now. Yeah, I mean, he. Those were some legendary moments. I I was not lucky enough to share an office with him like you and Bobby were. Oh, it's the best. Um, but yeah, let's let's just say colorful language was was what was some of the things Chapman, that Chapman. He swore and cursed out computers. <laughs> I know every day. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, I I I grew up in New Jersey and I learned words 
that I didn't even know existed. Yeah. Listening to him try to try to put those make good spots in, it was it was comical. But like it's 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 funny now. We laugh at it, and at the time you're laughing at it, and then you'd be like, Frank, calm down, and he'd be like, Oh, you know, <laughs> the way he was, it was yeah. it was he had this way where you knew he was angry. But yet you can go in there and laugh with him about it because yep. he 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 knew he knew he knew how funny it was to us that he would get so angry with with, with the computers and stuff. But you know he was he I, I my mom sent me something this morning and I guess they 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 mentioned it on Channel Thirteen this morning. I, I think yeah. it was Dave Cavassier yeah. um, who who did the segment and you know it it really touched me because you know. It, it really lets you know the impact that that he had, and it's it's crazy because it didn't matter who it was. It didn't matter if it was you or I or people who worked with him in the past and and are no longer working here. People who just knew him from talking to him at games or or remotes. Everybody just had the same things to say about him, and I think that's how you know the the legacy and the impact that someone leaves behind when. People who who know him really well say the same exact things that people who who really didn't know him that well at all, and just what a kind-hearted person he was. And you know, for 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 me, it's it's one of those things that I'll always remember is the selflessness and just how impactful he was beyond just the microphone. In in this, he was a Nevada broadcaster, Hall of Famer. He was yep. he was part of that, which is a, a pretty incredible feat. Um, you know, he, he helped so many people in this building do things that, you know, we, we don't really talk about on the air, but you know, if, if you needed help with something, Frank was one of the first guys to always volunteer to help you. When I got sick, he would call me and, and he would make sure I was okay. Hey, do you need anything? And no, no, I'm good. All right. I'll, I'll bring something if you want, but you know, that's, that's just his nature. Yeah. I mean, his nature was, was just one of a kind really and and it's so easy i think it, it as you grow up and and kind of become your own person that that some of the lessons you learned as a kid some of the things that that should come as as second nature kind of go away and and you know i i remember when when frank first was admitted to the hospital and i think you and i had, had kind of gone in a couple of times and and saw him as he was initially getting his his diagnosis and um one day you and i get to the hospital at the same time and you go up you had beaten me it's fine not a big deal but um i was sitting there talking to one of the nurses that was down um in administration kind of just saying hey where are you going who are you here to see and I, I remember letting her know that I was, I was at the hospital to see Frank Harnish. And she just looked at me and, and told me, like, flat out, like, this guy must be special um, because there, there's a lot of people here for him right now. And it goes to what you just said, Chris. Like, there isn't a person that met Frank that I don't think was touched by his generosity and and how genuine of a person he was and it was really reflected in those moments where uh he was he was down and and in the hospital and, and kind of understanding what the next stage of his life was going to look like 
and people were coming out of the woodwork just wanting to spend some time and talk to him and you know you and i were fortunate enough that we got to spend a lot of time with him over the last couple of months um but i'm just taken aback by by that response from from that person inside that hospital who sees people come and go all day long right day after day after day and to stop me and just say flat out there's never been a patient that i've seen that's gotten the the volume of visitors that just want to come talk to him and say hi. Yeah, I mean, every time I would go in to see him, he would just rattle off people who came to see him. And and he he his brother, when I had the conversation with him on Monday night, one of the things he said to me was that Frank was totally overwhelmed and <laughs> surprised by just the outpouring of love and support because I don't think Frank realized just how important of of a human being he was like i don't think he grasped how much he meant to so many people and for his brother to tell me that he was just overwhelmed by it 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 really made me feel good because it it let me know that he was loved and it wasn't just me or you or some of the other people in the building who were there to see him all the time it was so many people his friends from outside of the building um, you know, the people who used to work with him here who know, who have moved on to other things that were popping in to see him. People from, you know, all, all walks of life were, were going in to see Frank. And, and I see it in the, the, the Twitter responses and the messages yeah. that people have been replying to me with and posting on their own. And just he, he really made an impact. And I don't know how many people when when their time is is is, you know, when when. They pass away. I don't know how many people leave that type of impact in others the way Frank left an impact, not just in me, but in so many other people. It's, he's, again, he was one of a kind. And, and with, with me, I, you know, I, I look at just all the memories and all the moments that I had with Frank and, and how much he lobbied for me. I'm never going to forget that. And, and how much he kind of dragged me into the fight initially. And, you know, you mentioned Frank breaking his neck. And, and year one for the Vegas Golden Knights, inaugural season, a month into the season, Frank ends up in a car accident, breaks his neck, checked himself out of the hospital. What was it, a day later? It was two like, days? yeah, two days yeah. later. Two yeah, days someone, later. someone from here. Yeah. Went to go see him, and they yeah. texted me. They're like, are you sure Frank is at UMC? I'm like, yeah. They're like, oh, he was. Yeah, they're which, like, because he's not here anymore. Him, yeah. You can't keep him in a hospital for very long. Um, but, like, here's here's the phenomenal thing, right? So, so Frank gets the VGK Insider Show. And, and if there was ever a show that was just custom-made for Frank uh, to, to be the voice of and, and the newness of the Golden Knights and and the, the relatability of, of bringing hockey to a market that was familiar with it because of, of minor league hockey, but to do it on a grand scale, um, Frank was the guy. Hands down, absolutely Frank was the guy. Uh, and then I, I remember Frank and I having a conversation about rink rats because it all started with rink rats and it kind of evolved from there. And Frank was like, Ryan, I, no, you're not going to stop doing it keep doing the podcast because that's something to continue to work on to continue to grow to continue to get better at and there was a moment in time i didn't want to do it i just didn't want to it was it was you know me and frank it was our baby it was it was really something that that we grew and and appreciated and loved doing 
And, you know, as, as he and I kind of had conversations about it and he continued to drag me into the fight, so to speak, um, we eventually kept, kept on with the podcast. And I remember being at the studio recording and outside the door walks Frank Harnish, three or f- maybe, maybe a week or two removed from his neck injury, his broken neck, just in the building, doing his thing, doing his Frank thing, and I pulled him in. I literally I pulled him into the studio, and his first spot was with us on the podcast after, after he broke his neck, and, and I just remember getting into the story about what happened and why he stopped off to get uh, some Coca-Cola before his remote and how he kept telling the nurses that oh, I'm just, I'm going to be good. Let me get back to work. He wanted to go back yeah. to work. Yeah. He, like, he, he couldn't wanted, wait. He did, didn't want to go into the, into the ambulance. Didn't want to go to the hospital. He wanted to turn around and go back to work. And, and I'll tell you, it was a no brainer to, do my part in that month while he was away and not on the air to, to fill in for him because any, any situation Frank had to help me out, he did. And I just, I wanted to pay that back to him in any way I could. And as I'm, as I'm sitting here now, I, I just, I, I'm saddened that, that he's gone and I'm saddened that, you know, Frank was was just such a genuinely good human being. And, you know, as, as much as I think people had their moments listening to Frank and as much as people enjoyed the content that he provided and the stories in which Frank tells us flat out, I got a free meal in Los Angeles because I looked like meatloaf. <laughs> I mean that's an all timer. Yeah. And yeah. and you know and and I I got you know I I I keep thinking back to the, the kind of the the final conversations that I had with him and you know a lot in the hospital I I was fortunate enough to hang out with with Frank and and his best friend from back home in Chicago and they were just going through memory lane Chapman. Yeah. Like, just reliving all of the crazy things that Frank got into, all of the stuff that they did when they were working in the restaurants, Frank going out there playing hockey without goalie equipment <laughs> and standing in the middle of a frozen lake as, as his friend shot pucks at him. Uh, you shared the story earlier today of Frank on his motorcycle, no helmet, getting nearly blinded by a bug yeah. because that's the only thing, that that's the only way that story could end. Um, and... and and there was a story I was told by Frank and his, his buddy Mark about going to the Olympics in Los Angeles. And apparently the two guys, Frank and his buddy, were, you know, having a lot of fun that weekend, Chapman. And they ended <laughs> up at, at, at a beach yes. in Los Angeles. <laughs> I know the story. <laughs> along the coast in L.A., they're they're at the beach and Frank and, and and his buddy they're they're tired right like they are exhausted they're like oh okay well it's it's pretty you know early on in the morning like probably three four or five three three or four in the morning so they're like oh we're just gonna shut our eyes here on the beach 
and we're going to be fine. Everything will be okay. Well, apparently they, they were asleep for like 10 hours. And <laughs> as legend would have it, Frank was an absolute lobster. And if you've ever met Frank, the fairest of complexions for yes. sure, he just burnt to a crisp. And they said that that was the most uncomfortable but worth it uh, night of sleep on the beach ever imaginable. And, and I just, I, I heard that story and it was just one of those moments where I'm like, okay, everything Frank has ever said to me, all the <laughs> stories from back home in Chicago where he did this and that, and, and it just seemed crazy at the time. It's all true. Frank yeah. was just that guy. Yeah. I mean, there, there's so many stories, uh, you know, that I, I heard that story with, with the beach and he said he, <laughs> they, he could not move because yeah. it was so painful. It, it had burned. Like he said, they were like third degree yeah. burns and he yeah. was blistering and he didn't care. He just kept going on. And, you know, that that was one of his favorite things to tell. But I don't know how many of our listeners actually knew that Frank was a very, very good tennis player. Like yeah. he was he, he was I mean, obviously not a professional, but he was good enough to play in college. And in order to play in college, you got to be pretty good. Um, and he told me that, you know, one of one of the, the, the great memories of his life was him and, and Doug Marsh, who yeah. who is uh, one of our management people here at Lotus Broadcasting. They had the opportunity to play years ago. They used to bring a, a professional tennis tournament to Las Vegas and guys like like uh, James Blake and um, Martin Del Potro and, and just a Leighton Hewitt. Some some big names in, in the sport came and played in this tournament out on uh, Dar, uh, the Darling Tennis Center, which was, I think, Washington and Durango. Anyway, um, him and Doug had the opportunity to play a set against the number one ranked doubles team in the world, the Bryan brothers, who won multiple Grand Slams. These guys are, are Hall of Fame tennis players. And I think Frank, the way Frank tells me, and I was there, I was watching it. Of course, I don't know a ton about tennis. <laughs> but he said that, you know, one of the brothers could tell that, that Frank could play fairly well. So he tried to, to rip a, a, a serve past Frank, and Frank returned it and actually won a point yeah. against the number one doubles team in the world. And he said the following year they got to play them, and it was a little different. These guys kind of smoked them, and they were kind of having fun with Frank and Doug. And they, they they tied themselves together because they were beating Frank and Doug so bad. And, and Frank goes over to Doug, and he starts telling him how angry he is because these guys are making a joke out of it, and they're not taking it serious. <laughs> so um, super competitive guy, obviously. Uh, just, you know, it's it's... I have so many great memories, and, and I think one of the listeners, Gilded Jester, actually messaged me, and, and he, he told me that one of his favorite moments was, and I, I remember it, I don't remember the context of it, but it was the sexy Frank voice. Yeah. And I, I, I wish I, I wish I had uh, some of that somewhere, because <laughs> I, I, I just remember it was hysterical, but yeah, yeah. That, was, that was up there with the meatloaf story, and... Uh, uh, the meatloaf story was good. The, the sexy Frank voice was uh, Frank coming to work as we talked about his work ethic, right? Uh, he had a sore throat. Like, I think he lost his voice. Oh, that's right. <laughs> and he, he, couldn't, like, he couldn't speak, right? Like, like, there were audible tones that came out, but it wasn't, it wasn't like words. It was just kind of uh, like that. And so 
you know, I, it sounded to me like Batman. So we just kind of had Frank read <laughs> a bunch of different, uh, different like one-liners with this this sexy. He sounded Frank like voice. like Christian Bale in the Batman. <laughs> yeah, it, he really did. And you know, I, I'm telling you, man, I, I just those moments where Frank leaned heavily into it. I, Hall and Oates, um, oh. his his disdain for Hall and Oates, his love to to kind of needle you a little bit with the callers, right? Like anytime we'd give away tickets, um, there was no mercy for you, Chad. No. It was it was <laughs> one, caller number one twenty five, <laughs> caller number, and and you know what? You know what's great about Frank? Like like the genius of Frank is that like he would kind of play sympathetic. Right, like on the air, he would oh, kind yeah. of play but, sympathetic. But deep down, he was just—he was just as cynical as you were. But, but there were moments, I and I kid you not, I—I'm I, telling you this right now, a little bit uh, inside baseball here. Like there were moments where Frank would tell me flat out before we go on the air, he's like, "Make Chapman, make Chapman go to like 150." No. Like he's like, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw it to you. I'm gonna make you the bad guy, and that's totally fine. Yeah. Like I'm gonna do it, uh, but." But make Chapman go to like one. Oh man! And then you would look at me, you get mad at me, and I'd yeah. be like, I'd be looking at Frank, and he was just kind of, he had that, he had that devilish smile. Yeah. He knew exactly what he was doing. Puppet oh. master making everybody oh, dance. Man. Like it was, it was fantastic. And and so I got the reputation of being the the high number guy. Yeah. And and Frank just kind of sat back and loved it. So that, honest, honest, honestly, ladies and gentlemen, like that is why I had no qualms whatsoever. Uh, really poking and prodding Frank about uh, Hall and Oates because there were <laughs> there were moments where where Frank certainly knew what he was doing uh, to to get me into a bad situation and a lot of it had to do with making Chris's job harder. Yeah, why why somehow that does not surprise me now, but I mean it's just it's 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 so <laughs> uh, man now now I'm angry. No, I'm kidding, but you know it's it's yeah I I that was part of what what made him great and I knew he loved just getting under your skin yeah. with the with the fact that the Blackhawks won three Stanley Cups in the last what 15 years and yeah. and the Kings had only won two and he loved to poke you and prod you but you used to like to poke and prod him back with with the stuff about Patrick Kane and and you know how much you disliked him and yeah. how much Frank loved him and you know I think one of the funniest memories I have is that very first year when the Blackhawks came to town yeah and Frank was born and bred Chicago. He was, he was, I mean, he used to drink, get in the car and drive to Minneapolis or St. Louis or Detroit to go watch Black Blackhawk road games yep. with his buddy. And I don't know if you know this or not, but year one, he had his Blackhawk t-shirt on underneath <laughs> his Golden Knight sweatshirt that he was wearing I, I to do, do the that. broadcast. <laughs> so... So that's that's maybe the second greatest Chicago sports broadcast moment in Frank's uh, illustrious career here. Um, I'll tell you, doing the post-game show with Frank was phenomenal. It was always fun. We, we loved hearing from listeners. We loved interacting. Uh, Dan Duva does a great job on, on the radio play-by-play for the Golden Knights. was a, a big part of those moments, and you know, we, we really got to just – enjoy each other's company now frank as you mentioned chapman diehard chicago sports fan loved his blackhawks but he loved the bears even more oh yeah yeah and there happened to be a golden knights game 
on the same night as a Chicago Bears playoff game. And <laughs> it was the double doink game. It was the double doink game. And let me let me tell you. So so Frank tried his best in this moment to kind of time out when he was going to take a break, right? So like he he was trying to time it out so that there would be a break, like he wouldn't be on the air when the field goal was going to be attempted. Well, I don't know what the logistics were or why it happened this way, but <laughs> Frank ends up coming back on the air. So he's he's coming back on as the field goal is getting kicked and it's double doink city and all of the the vigor just left him. <laughs> and it was it was I I kid you not if you were listening on the air not a chance in the world you would know that the hopes and dreams of that Chicago Bears fan just were, were obliterated in that second. He was so professional. But I'm telling you, like, Chapman, I was watching him. I was studying his face, and it was just, oh, my God, it happened again. You, it happened again. <laughs> you had to be getting ready for him to just throw his headset on the ground and kick something and walk away. Let me <laughs> tell you, it was the fastest he, he had gone to me for analysis ever. Like, it was it – was, um, Back here on the Golden Knights postgame show. And let's head it over to Ryan Walsh. Like yeah, he went from 60 to zero. <laughs> that's what it was, man. It was, it was right there for the taking. Oh. But, but again, like, that just goes to show you, and, and I've alluded to it, I've talked about it, there was a work ethic there, there was a professionalism there for Frank, and even in those moments where – he was he was focused or, or or had something else going on in the background. Never ever did it show in his work. Never ever did Frank have a situation where he sees a double doink from the Chicago Bears and it impacts anything that he was doing on the air. He was just a consummate pro through and through. Yeah, yeah. Just someone who, who I think I I I can look back and I could say I'm very glad I, I had him as not only a, a friend, but a, a coworker and someone I could learn from, and someone who can help me with things that I had I had difficulties with, and you know, it's it's just it's it's one of those days where I'm glad we've gotten to do this segment and really just yeah. reflect on who he was. Because I mean, to be honest, it's it's been very therapeutic, and and to hear you know some of those stories that I had forgotten, like I completely forgot about sexy Frank voice and. and him doing the impression of Christian Bale, yeah. <laughs> reading the yeah. lines, um, you know, and I, I had forgotten about the double doink because I, I I remember it when it happened and it was one of the funniest things because you know he had to be steaming oh, under, underneath that leather Ohio State jacket that, <laughs> that he was wearing at the time. He had to be, but it's it's yeah he he was definitely the consummate professional, um, just such a such a wonderful guy and and. You know, I, I I'll I'll finish by saying I'm really gonna miss him, and you know I love him very very much, and you know it's it's been a very difficult last 48 hours, but you know I I just hope when I get to where he is that he's waiting for me with a coke and a smile. It's beautifully uh, beautifully said there, Chapman. Um, you can tell the measure of a of a person based on how many people are there. Um, through thick and thin, when things get tough, and the measure of Frank Harnish was. Um, immeasurable in my opinion um it's it's hard in these moments because 
you acknowledge that that there's no more pain and cancer has touched so many lives in in a negative way and it is it is a hard and terrible terrible disease um for you and me, Chapman, for, for Frank's family and, and all those that knew him and loved him, um, the, only, the only good in this situation is that there are so many people here that are, are going to be able to help us pick up the pieces. There are so many people that listen to Frank. Frank was a part of their day, and they'll be here in our times, in their times, to help pick up the pieces and you know i i love frank he beyond being a co-host beyond being a mentor um he was my he was my friend and i'm gonna miss him i already miss him and i'm just so thankful that um no matter what happened no matter where we went in life uh, he remained a champion for me and i remained a champion for him and I just think the world of Frank Harnish, I know everyone listening to this that talked to Frank or knew Frank or listened to Frank, loved Frank Harnish. And he's gone too soon. And it sucks. But boy, we are all better off having known and gotten to spend time with Frank Harnish. I love you, buddy. I miss you. We're going to have a Coke sometime soon, I promise. And for old time's sake, Chapman, we're going to give away a pair of tickets here. Um, and I'm going to do what Frank would have wanted me to do in this situation, so I hope you're ready. I, I really do hope that your fingers are limbered up, buddy, because you're going to use them. They're already calling. All right. 702-876-1340 is the number. Tickets to Vegas and Calgary brought to you by Frank Harnish. Caller number 110. It's Hug Time with Frank Harnish. We're back to the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas 98.9 FM and 1340 AM. Oh, that's great. That, that's some funny stuff uh, with uh, Bruce Cusick uh, introducing that with uh, Frank Harn. I didn't realize that uh, Frank was the the standoff anti-hugger uh, that he was. Uh, Darren Millard in Studio 31, and it's uh, Chris Chapman back at the Fox Sports Finley uh, Chevrolet Studio. Uh, Finley Chevrolet located on the 215. Uh, Ryan Wallace, uh, great uh, first segment, guys. Uh, Frank would be uh, proud of you guys, uh, but as, as Jeff... Uh, mentioned during the break, he'd also be really sour with you guys, uh, with with all the praise yeah. and the, the adulation. Yeah, I mean that that is that is Frank, right? Like, as as good as he was, and as as focused as he was, uh, if you gave him a compliment, it was uh, it was usually going to be a a rough night at work for you because uh, then then you'd get all the Frank one-liners for sure. Uh, I'm glad you you brought up the tennis discussion too because that's one of the first things that that i remember hearing from him was his complete passion mm -hmm. for tennis and and how much of an accomplished player he, he really was and then the uh, the ohio state jacket that uh, that you never saw him uh without yeah i i mean 
you know, Frank, uh, Frank, tennis, racquetball, anything that he could smash, like he was all about it. And uh, and I have my own theory on on that being uh, that being the case. But what uh, is it? Just that he liked to smash things. Like it, <laughs> as as we were as we talked about in in that opening segment, like Frank. Frank loathed slow computers. And honestly, I think that when when he would have a day at the office where the computer was especially slow, and that happened uh, mostly every day, uh, he would go play racquetball and just love to smash things. That's, a, that's what he would do. That was his outlet. Where did he get the name Ballpark Frank? That you know, Chapman, you're you're probably going to be the guy to answer that question because he was Ballpark Frank when I met him, but I don't remember the origin story of Ballpark Frank. Yeah, I think it had something to do with the fact that he did not like hot dogs, and <laughs> what? That's yeah, that yeah, tracks. he he hated hot dogs, and I mean, let's be honest, we don't really know what's in those things, so no, so I mean, no. he, he's kind of got a point there, but yeah, so I think as a joke, they gave him the name Ballpark because of the the commercials at the time that michael jordan was doing for ballpark franks and of course frank being a big chicago guy and a huge michael jordan fan i think that's where the origin of ballpark frank came from the fact that he hated hot dogs and it was kind of a joke and the funny story behind that is whenever they had to do a commercial for like remotes that involved the one of the casinos that had like dollar hot dogs they always called frank to do it because they knew how much (laughs) he hated hot dogs that's outstanding. I, I'll have to admit, I was in left field on, on that one because I thought for sure it had something to do with the the 52s or, or some kind of uh, assignment that, that he used to uh, work on. Uh, but we've talked about tennis and we've talked about hockey and we've talked about all these other different uh, passions of, of Frank's. But baseball never seemed to come up, and I, I was waiting for it, uh, for, the, for the answer to why his nickname and his handle was ballpark Frank, and did did that have uh, like a, a spillover effect to to you, Ryan? Why you were Ryan the hockey guy, and you had ballpark Frank? Because I always put those two together too. Uh, no, I honestly, I I just simply um, didn't want to use my full name, and I I couldn't really figure it out. And you know, at the time, like I, there were some guest spots I was doing here and there, and and the word guru came out, and I didn't like the way guru sounded. So uh, it, it just kind of became Ryan the hockey guy, and it, it, it stuck with me, and, and Frank was kind of in on the genesis of that too. What, de- what else did he do before the, the Insider Show? Like, bring me up to date uh, a little bit. We'll get, we'll get more down this path uh, in, in hour number two, but uh, sort of take me through for those that, because this is a transient city, uh, those yeah. that didn't know Frank quite as well. So Frank, before starting in radio, was actually a, a cook. He uh, he had a passion for food, which is ironic because Frank was one of the pickiest eaters I've ever met in my entire life. I, I'm talking plain burger, no condiments, no vegetables. <laughs> Give me a side of French fries and black pepper. That's all I want. That's all I need. Don't muddy up the burger with a bunch of condiments that taste like garbage. And that, that is a conversation Frank and I had about 700 times a hockey season. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he, he over 20 years at Lotus Broadcasting and, and, and filling in on, on various shows and just being one of those guys that, that did so many little things behind the scenes. Not only was Frank on 
essentially every single sports station here at Lotus Broadcasting. Uh, but Frank would also do overnights on comp as uh, Fred Fredericks. Frank and Fredericks, I no think. No way. Yeah. And, you know, he he just simply worked a lot and, and did <laughs> everything that you can do inside of that building. And it it's it's just kind of a, a callback and a testament to him and, and his his ability to – to kind of like like I said be a chameleon he, he would spin records on the weekend overnights and and he would come in and, and do you know three hours of talk radio on a Monday morning and then he'd do affidavits and then he'd do all these other things and make goods and uh, just so much behind the scenes work that Frank did yeah one of the cool things a about going out to eat with him was if you went to a place where like you get a burger or whatever yeah he'd get nothing on it but he wouldn't he didn't like pickles either so that meant I would get an extra pickle when we went out to lunch. And the other thing is when he started, one of the stations, I don't remember which one it was, I think it's K-E-N-O, which I believe is one of the Spanish stations now, but they used to play big band and ballads. And Frank actually used to be a DJ on the big bands and ballads <laughs> station that started in the late 80s. And, and he used to tell me the motto was we play more Sinatra than anyone in town. And I'm, I'm just trying to picture Frank... With the old carts and the, the, the eight tracks or whatever it was that they had to use back in the late 80s, early 90s, before all this technology came around. I'm trying to picture him sitting in the studio playing Sinatra or Benny Goodman or stuff my grandfather used to listen to when I was a kid. Well, I can speak to uh, doing old radio, and I think Frank was in his glory uh, with the cart system compared to his relationship <laughs> with computers. Uh, let, let me just uh, leave it with that. Uh, more memories of uh, Frank Harnish or Frank Fredericks, uh, as, uh, as his DJ name uh, was, uh, that we're learning, as well as a look ahead to this uh, game involving the Vegas Golden Knights and the Anaheim Ducks as we continue on the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas. This is the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM. Now back to Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Pacific Division is a whole lot tougher than a lot of people thought. Uh, part of that is because of the great start to the season for the Calgary Flames and the Anaheim Ducks. Uh, the Vegas Golden Knights will face the Ducks tonight. On Fox Sports Las Vegas, a pregame show coming up at uh, 6 o'clock. And then it's uh, Ryan Wallace giving way to Dan Duva and Gary Lawless. Uh, actually, it's Darren Elliott uh, tonight on, on the broadcast. Uh, and then on Sunday, the Pacific Division uh, Calgary Flames, uh, who have uh, been off to a great uh, beginning to the season, uh, will be here. And we've got a couple of tickets to give away. 702-876-1340. Be caller number 33 tonight uh, for that one. We'll give away uh, two tickets. You can go to that one on Sunday involving the Vegas Golden Knights and the Calgary Flames. Hour number two of the VGK Insider Show. More hockey talk and uh, more Frankisms uh, as we continue on and paying our respect to Frank Harnish on Fox Sports Las Vegas. <laughs> 